Welcome to Business Line's State of the Economy podcast, where you will find insight, analysis, and the story behind the numbers. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Business Line's monthly personal finance podcast. Today, everybody is talking about the stock markets, but there is an exciting investment opportunity to invest in bonds as well, because with the steady rise in interest rates, today even government bonds in India for 10 years or so are available at 7.4%. And this means that many AAA rated bonds are at 8% or more. So we have with us today, Mr. Vishal Goenka, who is the co-founder of India Bonds, an online bond platform that enables investors to actually access various types of bonds and invest in them pretty seamlessly to, through a digital interface. So Mr. Vishal Goenka is a veteran of the bond markets. He has over two decades of experience in debt, distressed debt, loans, derivative products, structured products, and so on. Um, and We've seen that platforms like uh, India Bonds have actually provided uh, great access to retail investors to uh, corporate bonds, which are not available before. Uh, so uh, all over to the interview now. So uh, uh, Mr. Goenka, a retail investor looking to buy bonds today, if he wants to buy public issues of NCDs, he can go to stockbrokers. If he wants to buy government bonds, the person can go to the RBA Retail Direct platform. So what is what are the new categories of bonds that platforms like India Bonds open up to the investor? Arthi, firstly, thank you for having me uh, over on your podcast. Uh, I think the bond universe in India is a very exciting investment class. It's a two and a half trillion dollar market, uh, which people do not realize. Uh, Thanks to the online bond platforms, the access and the awareness of this is building and uh, Mm -hmm. podcasts like this will help to build further investor awareness. On to your question, you know, access to bond markets have been there historically, uh, but it's all about convenience and information. For example, you know, uh, you could access bonds through stockbrokers, but there's no information Mm -hmm. available with that uh, historically. The the pricing of the coating mechanism is also very different. You know, bonds mm. have a component of principal and then the interest. So the way they mm. are quoted on the exchanges is not really the conventional way they're quoted on institutions. Hence, right. online bond platforms now, which are regulated by SEBI, provide a detailed information on each and every bond that you were to purchase. It has information memorandums. It has rating rationals. It has the entire... Uh, coupon scheduled until maturity and platforms like us also provide you the entire cash flow for the tenor of the bonds. Now, this kind of information was lacking. Hence, we see investors coming to platforms, you know, learning about their uh, investment themselves and and choosing this over the traditional stock brokering route. In the RBI, retail has had a lot of success and, you know, the government has actually put the spotlight and focus and shows the forward-looking thought. The only yeah. difference between buying a government bond from RBI Retail uh, mm. and online is RBI Retail, when you open an account, automatically opens a, a so-called SGL ledger account with them in right. which you hold the government securities. Platforms right. like us actually provide the facility of providing government bonds in the DMAT account because yeah. most investors have all the financial securities in their DMAT account, whether it's equities, yeah bonds, uh, you know, mutual fund units. So investors still choose online bond platforms because they can see all their holdings uh, in, in, in one place. Absolutely. I get that point because uh, 
uh, when you try to buy a particular stock on a stock broking platform, you immediately know the ticker and you can use the name of the company to search. Whereas in the case of bonds, there could be multiple issues with the same kind of bond and it's very hard to locate what you want. So I think yes. uh, definitely by simplifying that process, the online bond platforms are actually delivering a big service to the retail investor. So I want to know that uh, uh, Platforms like yours mainly offer NCDs or non-convertible debentures, both from companies and banks and other financial institutions. That's so right. we also have other kinds of online bond platforms which are offering, we, I wouldn't call them online bond platforms, online platforms offering P2P lending or uh, uh, participation in invoice discounting, which also seem to offer very high yields. So how would you compare and contrast investing in NCDs versus those options? Yes, yeah, so I I think the awareness in you know investing in fixed income or returns for uh, individuals mm. is growing. There is absolutely bonds and P two P and invoice are not comparable at all. Yeah. Uh, mm. To start with, uh, you know we are putting them together in one bucket. For example, uh, the bond market I said is a two and a half trillion dollar market. The mm. entire P two P market is not even seven hundred and fifty million. Right. So. Mm. There are significant differences. The one big difference that you spoke about that buying a bond on an OBP platform is a regulated platform by SEBI. Bonds right. itself are oversight and regulated by SEBI. Uh, you know, some of the P2P is also kind of coming under regulation. Invoice discounting has no oversight or regulation. So obviously the risks are aligned accordingly. I'll take mm. them one by one. You know, invoice mm. discounting is really uh, unsecured short term lending. It is almost like, you know, a friend asking you for money for three to six months. Mm. Obviously, in this case, the discount is uh, uh, over receivables to some other companies. These okay. things actually have a very high risk and hence uh, mm. a high return. Right. So mm. uh, they offer anything between, you know, 12 to 18 uh, percent. Yeah. They're usually on very weak documentation. There's a tripartite mm. agreement. Uh, and and it's really there could be many things that can go wrong. Even as per IBC, the bankruptcy code, mm, mm. invoice discounting is part of operational debt, so it comes below unsecured creditors as well in case oh. of bankruptcy. So okay. so people, you know, again, I think podcasts like this will help to build that awareness that right. yes, you are getting a higher return, but you are taking significantly higher risk. You can right. buy secured bonds at eleven eleven and a half percent. To look mm. for that 13, 14%, your risk mm. is, is much, much higher. So they're really, really very different. And platforms that show invoice discounted are not regulated. So they're not online bond platforms. Mm. There are more e-commerce websites, right. uh, which I would like to think. The P2P right. is a different ballgame. It is a pool of borrowers mm. and it promises returns 12 to 15%. Now, yeah. this pool of borrowers, you know, by default selection are probably not getting loans from traditional banking <laughs> sectors, NBFCs, or even sophisticated large lending platforms. Hence, they seek such kind of P2P platforms. Yeah. The good thing is that optically it looks diversified that I'm lending to mm. about 10, 15, 20, or even 100 borrowers, but completely unsecured. Mm -hmm. There is no recovery, no regulation. Uh, there is no recourse in these cases, and hence maybe you get a slightly higher return. And importantly, right. you know, I sometimes think these are bull market products because of the economic <laughs> cycle the country is in, or the 
you know, the credit yeah. cleansing that is happening. But if we were to get a little economic shock, then the default rate on these mm. pools of assets, because they are mostly what in the Western world called subprime, right? So okay. uh, uh, the default rates could be very high if there was an economic shock. So the risk is significantly higher. And again, I'd rather be in the security of a listed bond, which is has oversight of SEBI, which is secured by some collateral of the company and have regular disclosure uh, from that company. Absolutely. To clarify here, uh, what uh, Mr. Goenka means by risk here is that you may not get your principal back, though you may get a high yield for some time or for a very temporary period. That's what you mean, right? I, I mean, default rates are higher, right? So yeah. Any, yeah. any asset does have that principal risk, and that's why there is mm. a risk return. But sometimes I feel that the pool of borrowers here are, are pretty mm. weak. So talking of listed bonds and uh, how they are SEBI regulated and have SEBI oversight, uh, that's true that it is a more regulated space and SEBI has a lot of uh, LODR regulations also applying to listed bonds. So companies who are listing their bonds have to make a lot of financial disclosures and so on. But uh, what about the liquidity aspect? The fact that a bond is listed on the stock exchanges, does that mean that the investor in those bonds can exit at any time? What do the trading volumes actually look like? Yeah, so uh, very good question. So let me compare, uh, you know, how do you compare listed bonds today, right? So typically listed bonds do have more liquidity as compared to, let's say, unlisted bonds, which have practically, mm -hmm. you know, a zero liquidity. As you correctly said, being listed means there is a prescribed law and format by SEBI whereby the issuer has to disclose, you know, financial health of the company on a, let's say, quarterly basis, discloses financials. So a person who's invested can actually keep track. If there is any kind of deterioration, you know, you get the signals little, little uh, up ahead. Uh, yeah. Exit from bond investments like any other, you know, asset class is subject to market conditions. I always think trading volumes in bonds will continue to be improved. But if I compare high yield bonds to even internationally, mm. you know, there's a bid offer of one or two percent. Okay. So similarly, high yield bonds in India do have that bid offer, right? So if you were to exit, yes, you can get an exit, but it'll be subject to market conditions. But importantly, right. let me tell you that at least listed bonds have a potential of exit. Unlike mm. alternative investments, right? So as True. you mentioned, True. P2P, there is no exit. Invoice mm. discounting, there is no exit. Structured mm. debt or structured credit has no exit. Even right. some of the government bond schemes, you know, like uh, National Savings Certificate mm. uh, and things like that have lock-ins of five to 10 years. True. Okay, even True. if you take FDs, there's usually a penalty. So if I compare to any other so-called mm fixed income giving asset class have practically zero exit at least yeah. in listed bonds there is a market right we all wish right. that the markets were much more liquid but there is True. an exit i mean just to give you an example uh the volatility in the u.s government bond market is much more than the indian government bond market in the last one month right so yeah i've been saying it the yields have been going up and down like crazy no, yes so so you know we should be we should be comfortable that we have a much resilient economy, a resilient bond market right. with a good oversight. Since the corporate bond market is growing, liquidity will be found and will keep growing. But I think the awareness, the transparency is what should make an investor comfortable, that you're not buying an illiquid piece of paper and you have no idea of an exit. 
in bonds, at least you can see a price, you can compare, and you have a possibility mm. of uh, of a good exit. That's an excellent point. That most fixed income products in India do not have premature exit. You have to hold them till maturity. At least here, there is an option in case the trading volumes are good. Yeah. So I find online bond platforms uh, offering both privately placed bonds and public issues. And I do know that in India, over 95% of the issuers actually take the private placement route. So this actually opens up access to the retail investor. But should the investor, given a choice between public issue and private placement, should he or she go for a public issue? So there are benefits of a public listed issue, right? So the denomination can be usually as little as 10,000 rupees. They tend to have more liquidity, uh, but they're usually, you know, because there's a very diverse pool of investors in public issues. Public issues carve out uh, allocation mm. to retail, to H&I and corporate bodies and QIBs or institutions. So, you know, perceptibly there is more liquidity. However, you know, private placements are two types. One is unlisted and listed so i you know my views on unlisted i i think yeah. retail should just stay away from unlisted Absolutely. so if we talk about private placements which are listed which means yeah. they still have a large amount of regulatory disclosure to follow it is all right to invest in them in fact these private listed placements are actually placed to large institutions in this country for example yeah. if an issuer had to raise a well-known name issuer well highly rated, a thousand crores, mm -hmm. you know, they can call maybe 10 investors and raise 100 crores each. So mm -hmm. that is easier on the issuer. The good okay. thing is that from January 23 this year, the minimum ticket size for an investor to buy private listed went down mm -hmm. from 10 lakhs to 1 lakh. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this was to encourage people to stay away from unlisted. And even if it is private, but it is listed, okay. it is relatively... Uh, much, much safer and almost, I would say, equal to a public listed. The public listed may just have a little more liquidity in the secondary market. Right. So when online bond flats, they actually offer privately placed securities or buy up bonds from the secondary market and offer it to retail investors. When the retail investor wants a premature exit, can they come back to you for an exit? I mean, would you be able to find them a counterparty? Yeah, so, you know, typically, you know, India Burns, we are a platform which matches buyers and sellers, right? So if yes, if people were uh, and we encourage people to even test it out, were to come and offer bonds mm. to sell, we make all efforts mm. to find the right buyer, you know, to, via SEBI prescribed RFQ process. Uh, you know, we are not a market maker or deemed exchange and provide any firm to way prices. We are a pure platform. But yes, customers who usually have bought from us. If they were to sell, we we definitely help them uh, uh, to find buyers. And we have done a lot of transactions in the same way. Yes. Right, right. So retail investors, when they choose bonds, they are usually tempted to go for the ones with the highest yields. So today mm -hmm. I see triple B entities, for example, on some platforms offering 12% or 13%. But what due diligence should investors do when buying high yield bonds? Sure. So first thing is, you know, you can buy bonds, as you said earlier in the call, from 7% to 12% uh, secured right. bonds, right? So right. investors should first make sure that high yield is, suits their risk appetite. So usually high, high yield bonds uh, are, are like A, A plus, A minus, or, you know, credit ratings. Mm -hmm. uh, some even go to triple B, and we can talk about triple B uh, as well, and I would like to talk to our investors on that. 
But yeah. when you're buying a high yield, the name itself tells you that it's not a government bond, right? So it has a certain mm. higher risk. Now, what do you do in that? You know, uh, in India, we've been very quick to learn about equity markets, especially since COVID. And people have Absolutely. made an effort because it is ultimately your money, right? Yeah. The buyer beware syndrome is for anything you buy in life and even in financial securities, <laughs> right? So so when you're buying a high bond today on a platform, you should read the information memorandum, which is available. You should read the rating rationale. Rating rationale is issued by credit rating agencies, which are regulated entities, which explain right. to you the business of, 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 uh, of the issuer. You know, they right. should investors should also familiarize themselves with the industry sector. So, mm. you know, it could be NBFC, but is it an NBFC in uh, SME loans? Is it NBFC mm. in retail loans, SME, you know, wholesale credit? So people should know what they are getting into. Mm. Uh, attention should be paid to collateral or security. What kind of security you have? Is it a mm. general security over company's assets? Is it a single asset? Is it a collateral pool of loans that they have security over? Uh, right. If I were to tell my, uh, uh, not to get too technical, but there are also something called financial ratios, but I will highlight mm. only four ratios for credit. Yeah, yeah. One is leverage ratio, which is debt mm. to equity. How much debt does the company have versus the equity? Right. Second, and these are all disclosed, you know, in the information memorandum, mm. interest coverage ratio. You know, how well mm. are they set to cover the interest uh, pay payout in the next few years? Liquidity ratio, which means how liquid they are versus current assets versus liabilities mm. and uh, profitability. Obviously, if you're investing in a company's equity or bond, you have to see, you know, what are the operating margins, net profit, gross margin and things like that. So these seem confusing. They're very, very basic things to look for. And mm. I do feel that as education increases, then people, you know, will make that effort and, and learn a little more because it is, after all, yeah. your own money. And especially because I think a lot of these bonds actually are from NBFCs, which are which run a highly leveraged business compared to, say, a manufacturing company or something. Right. I think that is why it is all the more important to basically to look at these uh, leverage and debt servicing, etc. Isn't it? No, absolutely. Uh, again, India is no different internationally. Most of the corporate bond issuance actually comes from the financial sector, whether they are banks or financial institutions or insurance companies, because typically large manufacturing companies do bank loans versus like collateral, like a plant machinery, an asset. Right. And, and, and you know, there's more sophisticated valuation that goes in this. So, mm -hmm. again, you know, we should not be surprised that large uh, uh, borrowers mm -hmm. or issuers are from finance uh, as such. Yes, what we should be careful about is rating uh, and maybe Maybe if you don't mind, I'll touch upon that. I think Definitely. when an issue goes into triple B, it is mm. very, very high risk as per credit metrics. It should actually be dealt with banks and, you know, institutions and sophisticated investors. So even mm. for us, like we have 100 bonds on offer, we have maximum one or two bonds, which may be triple B plus, <laughs> but mm. uh, large large deals in India, which have been done. So triple B risk is usually from 12 to 18%. And I think retail may not be sophisticated to mm. understand that risk. So I think just as a benchmark, if it is under 12% or not close to 15% or 17, retail should mm. stay away from uh, these kind of structures. What do you mean by saying the risk is 12 to 18%? Typically, the interest rate on these securities ah. in the institutional market 
can ah. range between 12 to 18 oh, percent. Okay, okay. Yes. I mean, there was this large institutional deal three months ago. I think a billion dollars plus, which institutions mm. bought. Now, triple B minus, I can't name the issuer, but it went mm. at 18.75%. Oh. Yes. So, okay. my humble kind of uh, suggestion or request to in retail investors is that if you see yeah. a triple B flat or a triple B minus rated yeah. issuer, please ask for higher returns because right. they, they should really start from 12 and can go up to 18%. Yes. Okay. And I think the other thing investors need to realize is that the credit rating they see at the time of buying the bond, that is not a permanent fixture. It could change over the holding period, right? Absolutely. Credit ratings, you know, again, they're a regulated entity. But mm. thanks to if you're investing in bonds that are listed, then the companies are supposed to uh, update on a quarterly basis. The good thing now is that mm. even debenture trustees, debenture trustees are people who take care of the covenants or the rules and regulations under which the bond has been issued. They actually yes. now communicate to the holders uh, uh, if ratings have changed. So I think right. there has been amazing uh, development in the country in the last year or two uh, to spread yeah. information, knowledge, awareness. Earlier, investor would never know uh, if ratings have changed, but debenture trustees nowadays also communicate. A company is also supposed to communicate that. Yes. So the debenture trustee is supposed to email the holders of bonds. I thought you're just supposed to go to the stock exchange and check it. So some in some cases we've seen then trustees actually, if they have the ah. holders list, they communicate directly okay. to them. But absolutely, they have to also report to the exchanges, which then becomes public right. information. Yes. So today we are seeing some online bond platforms actually offering securitized products, which basically means that they bundle many lower rated bonds into a package and they say this is a basket of bonds that you can buy. But uh, and typically uh, the retail understanding is that many securities are safer than one security. So does that really apply in case of such baskets of products? So I think baskets can be formed in different ways. My personal opinion is that we are in such nascent stage of retail investor understanding bonds that mm. selling securitized products or baskets, you know, are, are maybe early in the learning cycle is, is, is mm. my opinion, right? So okay. on the face of it, you might think that you're getting a diverse a basket of securities, but it also depends, are they all in the same sector? So what do I mean by that? This is called cumulative default probability. What does that mean? So if I have 10 bonds and six of them are NBFCs or four of them are, let's say, in, in any kind of, let's say, textile industry. Mm -hmm. So if there was to be an external shock to that industry, right. then I'll see a massive cumulative default happening. So even though I have six diverse huh. uh, finance companies or four diverse companies, uh, the cumulative default probability is actually higher. So you will see that individually they might be rated higher. But because they are structured to a trust, uh, their mm. cumulative rating could be lower than all of that. So yeah. uh, I honestly, Aarti, I think these are little complicated products mm. and may may or may not be right for retail. Uh, yeah. uh, and the right amount of disclosure learning uh, is important in this case. Right. We also see some bank bonds uh, being available on uh, online bond platforms. Typically, these are... 
I think perpetual bonds are tier two bonds. So how should investors evaluate these bonds? Because when we see SBI, SBI offering 8% or some other bank offering close to 8.5, I mean, it looks quite tempting. Yes, uh, again, in the past in the in, in India, I think uh, people, you know, the the awareness or how uh, uh, these bonds were understood were were probably a little incorrect. And in fact, we have had history of 81s, yes. uh, uh, you know, the investors getting uh, practically zero. Uh, yeah. But in terms of subordinated bonds, there are two kinds. One, as you said, they are tier two. Now, mm -hmm. in simple language, tier two are dated subordinated bonds, which means they have a final maturity usually, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So they are considered to be a little safer. Uh, but the way you should look at it is that because they are riskier than a secured simple debt, you have yes. to ask for a higher return for it. Yes. That's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. When we come to 81, it becomes a little funny and challenging because 81s come mm -hmm. in a lot of covenants, right? So they can have, what does it simply mean? That if something wrong were to happen to the bank, any yes. losses have to be absorbed by these bondholders. One yes. example. Secondly, they are perpetual and yes. you have to a know when is the call date, which means when mm -hmm. the bank will call it back. Yes. Uh, a quick way to look at it is if the yield that you're buying at is much higher than the coupon. So let's say if the 81 is at 8% coupon, mm -hmm. but you're buying at 10, 12% yield, which means it is trading mm -hmm. at a discount. Right now, again, mm -hmm. I'm trying to be simple. So basically, uh, if interest yeah. rates were to go much higher, that's right. Economic uh, decision may be taken by the bank not to call this bond. So you might be actually mm -hmm. thinking you hold a three-year bond, but you'd be holding a 30-year bond. So right. these are inherent risks. Uh, uh, obviously, the issuer rating is important, but mm. uh, again, investors should ask for a higher return to take these risks. So right. look at the issuer rating, see if it is dated or perpetual. And if it is perpetual, just see how much discount are you buying at. Mm. Right. That's a good metric. Yes. So what kind of investors are high yield bonds suitable for, especially because in some of the privately placed issues, etc., we see ticket sizes going from 1 lakh to 10 lakh rupees. So, uh, I mean, what kind of investors should go for this? And should senior citizens, etc., be using these bonds for regular income? Okay. Uh, so I think most bonds, uh, listed bonds in India can be bought for one lakh now. Uh, okay. High, the word high yield comes from, you know, that it's going to give you high returns. Mm -hmm. We understand that high returns means higher risk. So I think these bonds are suited for investors who are okay to take that risk. Usually bonds should be used to diversify your portfolio. Mm -hmm. Typically an investor portfolio may have equities, real estate, gold in India. But uh, people should not stay from bonds because bonds provide you a buffer. It gives you a regular mm. stable income. Now it is up to the investor. So usually we see on our platform right from 25 year olds to, you know, 50, 55 year olds, depending on where are they in the economic cycle, what kind of financial well-being they come from, that they can take mm. that higher risk. So I would encourage first time investors in bonds to start with a higher rated like AAA and earn eight, eight quarter percent to understand it. Hmm. Once they are comfortable, then they can start moving into the higher spectrum uh, and right. higher yield bonds, right? So, you know, again, bonds should be a certain portion of your portfolio, uh, 30 to 40%, uh, depending on your risk appetite. If it is 30%, 
high should be not more than 25% of that, right? So uh, it kind okay. of gives you that portfolio diversity. Hmm. As far as senior citizens is concerned, you know, it is a natural wisdom that the risk taking ability of senior citizen is lesser. So we do not encourage senior citizens to buy high yield bonds for sure because they carry higher risk. Uh, but there are a lot of bonds, you know, uh, I think senior citizens prefer regular income, you know, monthly coupon, yeah. or quarterly coupon. I mean, even on our platform, we have at least 15 to 20 bond choices. You can actually mm. filter on our platform, say I want monthly income bond issues and it'll show you a mm. list. And mm. I encourage senior citizens to buy bonds for regular income, but stay on the higher rating spectrum for the same. Right. Right. Absolutely. A final question. I mean, do platforms like India Bonds actually curate the bonds that they present to investors or is it just a function of availability? I mean, do you apply some filters on the issuers, etc., before you present them on the platform? So I would actually take this opportunity to tell you that between the two co-founders, we have about 40 to 50 years of cumulative experience of wow. bonds and yeah. uh, underwriting credit, both in India and internationally. Right. We do right. try and use that to filter. As I said, we do not typically show any triple B rated bonds. And if they, if we hmm. do, maybe one or two out of 100 bond offerings. Hmm. So we kind of do a little bit of diligence on our own. It is not okay. advice. It is just... From our own experience, we think that mm. what may or may not be suitable for a retail investor. So, right. uh, we, we, you know, we're not an advisory function, a pure platform. So uh, just for this conversation to tell you that we do look at that because we both have a significant amount of experience in this. Uh, okay. uh, so that is how we, but, but the curation is, mm. you know, people have different requirements. Some people say that, hey, I want bank bonds or I want only public sector bonds or I want mm only high yield bonds or I bond, right. want bonds from like a two year to three year maturity. Mm. I think we are one of the largest offerings uh, amongst bond platforms in the country. Yeah. So we use these filters where investor can curate as per their needs. So right. an investor might think I have money for two years, show me only two year maturity bonds. So there's mm. a customer filter where he'll does not have to go through our entire offering, but he'll only be shown uh, that curation. So. Right. It's more a filter for selection, but given a wide choice uh, uh, for our investor. Yeah, OK, that makes sense. So thanks a lot, Mr. Goenka. Uh, with that, we will uh, close our conversation and bonds. And it was a very insightful session, and I'm sure retail investors would have taken away quite a lot from this. Absolutely. Thank it was a pleasure, pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you.